From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back. Welcome to the intro, Heather Knight. Thanks. Good to be back. We're getting out of our safe space of public transit, (laughs) and we're talking about tourist traps today. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Is there a touristy thing in San Francisco that you've never done? I've never been to any of those weird museums in Fisherman's Wharf. I avoid them at all costs. Okay. I've never been to Alcatraz. What? So that's, I just I did that the other day. <laughs> yeah. That's totally messed up. And my history teacher from high school is a docent there. Oh, you got to so go. I gotta it's get, actually really cool. I got to get doing that. This is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about a lot of tourist traps that we can kind of get behind. I'm going to play right now um, probably the harshest fight of the episode when I got behind a certain hard rock cafe. So... I mean, I think they made an effort to appeal to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like tailored to, to Peter. And, so let's uh, review. The best things you said were there's long lines, the food is not terrible, and they have a peacoat. But they have Neil Sean's peacoat <laughs> <and> Journey. <laughs> I don't know. That I mean, is a real tourist trap, and Paolo and I are not on board. I'm not saying I want to have my wedding rehearsal dinner there. It kind of sounds like that. I'm saying... <laughs> So Paolo Lucchese is here with us, food editor. You heard his voice there. And very important, in the podcast, My Fault, I created some confusion surrounding the relation of Full House to the Painted Ladies on Alamo Square. While the Tanner clan has lunch in front of the Painted Ladies in the intro, they lived at 1709 Broderick. The big event apologizes for the error. Here we go. We're your concierge for culture in the Bay Area. That's my new tagline. Heather, do you like it? (laughs) I do. Okay, I'm going to stick with that. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome, Heather and Paolo, to our Tourist Trap podcast. Um, What are we calling this? Tourist Traps of SF that we like? Sure, that works. Works for me. Yeah, endearing tourist traps. I want to start with uh, just get it right on the table. Pier 39. (laughs) When's the last time you've been to Pier 39? Heather, go. Uh, Not too long ago, within the past year, because one of my friends had heard that there were whales swimming underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's where you get the whale watching boat. So we only walked through it to get to the boat and then made a quick getaway. Okay. So you ran through. (laughs) Was that after? Because we kind of, on Total Muni, we did pass by Pier 39. This is true. We got as close as the 39 Coit bus stop right out front. But I don't think that counts as actually stepping foot onto Pier 39. Okay, I'm with you on that. Paolo? Uh, For me, it was a couple years ago. um, I went to Forbes Island, uh, which is the floating restaurant. It's actually a little houseboat, and it used to be docked right next to Pier 39. But to get to it, it's like probably like maybe 20 feet from Pier 39, but the you have to take a little ferry, like two minutes into the water, uh, and that is docked at Pier 39. Nice. And so I think that was the last time I went. Um, and Forbes Island is now closed, but it's basically this weird, there's like a sandy beach, there's a lighthouse, there's a palm tree, and then you eat underwater, Wow. technically. Um, and there's little portals, like kind of, it's kind of modeled after like Captain Nemo's quarters. Uh, but of course, like the water's murky and people are getting like a little seasick because you're eating underwater and you're shifting. <laughs> um, it so. sounds cool, but it sounds like maybe in... In reality, it wasn't quite as perfect. Correct. My last time, 
Not for work. Last time I've been there is um, 1982, I believe. It might have been 83. Went to play video games with two friends from elementary school. And uh, I was uh, held up at knife point while I was yeah. playing. I don't remember the game. Let's just say it was Dig Dug. And a older kid pulled out a knife because my two friends were there, reached in my pocket and took $5. And that was it. It was the weirdest mugging at the time i thought that's just how muggings went but you didn't want to go back right away (laughs) that's how arcades go that's how arcades go he just wanted five dollars he wanted to play 10 games of dragon's lair no more no less because i had more money so um anyway well that's our introduction i i pier 39 i want to actually before we start just to kind of set the tone read you do you know about alan temko our architecture critic pulitzer winning architecture critics review of pier 39 no he hated Pier 39. There was this whole, when it opened, um, I believe it was the late 70s, Herb Cain was in favor of it. Charles McCabe and Alan Temko were firmly on the other side, and they actually battled in their columns. But Alan Temko wrote, and I'm just going to read the lead, what I think is the best piece of criticism in Chronicle history, certainly the best that I've seen, from Alan Temko. Corn, kitsch, schlock, honky-tonk, dreck, schmaltz, merde. Whatever you call the pseudo-Victorian junk with which Warren Simmons has festooned Pier 39, the ersatz San Francisco that never was, a chef d'oeuvre... Did I get that right? I have no idea. Uh, I hope so. A chef d'oeuvre of hallucinatory cliches is a joke on the port and planning commissions and especially a bad joke on the whole unfortunate city. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. That's just his opener. How did and he really feel? How did he, it was, it was, and it was like 2,2500 words. It was not like a short thing. I mean, he went on piece by piece. So that's Pier 39. Um, but we're going to talk about tourist traps we like. Tourist traps we can get behind. Um, and I think to do that, we need to define what is a tourist trap. I mean, I have relatives come. They want to see Fillmore Auditorium, AT&T Park. I don't think that's a tourist trap. No, what do you guys think? because locals think? go there. Okay. I think it's a place locals don't go, and that is written up in, like, every San Francisco guidebook. I think that's fair. I also, I, you know, just hearing um, Mr. Temko, uh, it's also, you know, there's that, it seems like one of the big problems with Pier 39 that maybe we share is that it just, it is reflective of this place that is not San Francisco. And I think a lot of the tourist traps, including some good and some bad ones, are really reflective of San Francisco. Um, but I think what Heather says is kind of right, where it's not frequent. I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of it's okay that it's frequented by some locals, um, but I would say maybe predominantly out of towners. Yeah, um, and maybe um, a gift shop would be like a, a key. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a hoodie within a two-block radius? Uh, I love San a Francisco T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, so I think we're on the same page. I mean, like. Cable cars, I, you know, people use them to commute, but they are something that tourists line up for. So, right. um, all right. So I want to do this kind of like a draft, like like an NFL, NBA type draft. We're going to take turns. Um, we can all we can all talk about each other's tourist traps, but uh, one at a time. Starting with you, Paolo. You get the first round number one pick. I get the number one pick. There's a lot of pressure, um, and these are. These are the ones we like, right? So, um, or can get behind. I can get behind. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll start with the Cliff House. 
Uh, I think that counts because I've been there recently and there are a lot of tourists there and there are signs outside that say lock your valuables because there are a lot of break-ins in this area. <laughs> so I feel like that's also a barometer of... I think there might be a gift shop too, right? Uh, definitely, is, <laughs> definitely a gift shop. Um, so the, obviously the Cliff House has this huge history here. Um, but, you know, I... I I kind of looked at it with, I went for the first time recently. Um, and obviously I'm kind of more interested in the restaurant side of this stuff. Um, it's just really cool. Uh, it makes no sense. It's like, it's this house, this building on the cliff of the Pacific Ocean. I feel like we like haven't really appreciated how crazy that is. <laughs> like that makes no sense. Like who would build a giant building right there? Um, and inside, you know, they had the remodel a couple years ago. They still have the old side. It's a beautiful restaurant. Like it's so nice. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to champion the food there. I love to go there upstairs, especially have a drink, have a bar snack, like get fries and a, a Manhattan or a fries and a martini. It's great. Uh, you has, has one of the best views in the city. Uh, they have a jazz band that's plays there every once in a while. It's just a really nice place. It's definitely overpriced and, um, has its flaws, but I like it. And I think it's a nice, it's reflective of a different San Francisco. You get that history of, um, the west side yeah i think that's pretty cool yeah. i i like that pick um i like it because sutro baths was there playland was there sort of sandwiching cliff house and cliff house is a survivor too along with camera obscura yeah so i mean there's this element of okay it's touristy but it's historic historically touristy mm-hmm. in a way that you kind of want to embrace it too no matter what they're selling in the gift shop yeah i'm yeah. on board the setting can't be beat I don't love the food, like you said, but um, you always feel like you're kind of in old school San Francisco when you're in there. Yeah, and I think it goes, it's one of those things that has gone through generations. So I think it ties many generations together. I think I see young people there. I see older folks there. You know, I used to go there as a kid to the Penny Arcade. Like, it's like m- my grandparents have memories of Sutro, like you said. So, yeah, that's my uh, number one pick. Good nice. one. Heather. Okay, I'm going to go with walking across the Golden Gate Bridge. All right. (laughs) I did this with my husband and sons in the past several months, mostly so we could get to the 76X um, Muni to take it back across the bridge, which um, listeners of the big event know is my son's favorite thing to do. Um, But the view from the bridge is just stunning. I mean, every time I cross the bridge via car or walking, I just feel like I'm so lucky to live here. And it's a good reminder of, you know, the best of San Francisco and what we're supposed to be this beautiful, lovely city. Nice. Pain in the butt, though, now, parking and everything. How do you feel about that? Yeah, what's the game plan? Yeah. <laughs> well, we took another bus. Is it the 28? I think to get to the... We didn't uh-huh. drive, is my point. Yeah. And um, we took a bu- muni bus to the bridge, walked one way, and then took the other bus back. Fog? What was the fog situation? It was a sunny day. Purposefully, we picked the rare sunny day on the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. What do you think, Paolo? Yeah, no, I, I love I love the bridge. It's it's one of those things it's like we just take it for granted and especially this is going to sound really basic but you get up close and it's it's really is just you get that feeling of majesty and the grandeur of it all Uh um i also i on my list i mean it's kind of related like i love fort point like you kind of avoid some of the crowds and that's another really great vantage point to kind of take in the majesty of the bridge right when I did my series on um, candidates for mayor and asking them to take me to their favorite place in the city, Angela, Alioto took me to Fort Point. Hmm. You know, very classic um, choice. Uh, I think it's on me. 
This is you're kind right. of borderline. I don't know if you're going to call this a tourist trap, but I say because you have to leave from a boat at Pier 41, it qualifies. Angel Island. I went when I was eight or nine years old, rode my bike around, and went with my parents. I have this, it's one of my earlier memories, but it's a distant memory. I went with my son a couple of weeks ago, and it was exactly the same in all the best ways. Um, They had a tram there. There's a lot of tourist stuff. You can rent a bike. But if you live here, you can take your own bike. We just biked over from Alameda, took the ferry from Alameda to the ferry building, went over to Pier 41. It was all tourists on the boat and went around the island. It was magical, like getting out of San Francisco, thinking I should have brought a jacket. I totally underdressed. I'm such a rookie. And then when we passed Alcatraz, which was like 58 degrees, (laughs) suddenly the marine layer lifted and it was like 72 degrees. It was like 15 degrees warmer between Angel Island and Alcatraz. Rode around. My son was like, conversing with me i'm not saying this is the magic of angel island but like he wasn't talking about Fortnite. he was asking me about you know 90s movies and stuff like that not a ton of history just enough history that if you've got a younger kid maybe a tween young teen they're going to find it interesting there's the salt missiles that launched out of there there's a little presentation of that the u.s immigration center's there and you can tour that and that's a little more interactive and then they've got the old um, base there the old military base which is basically like post-apocalyptic but there are little places you can walk in it's basically decomposing but you can walk around it and check it out take photos i loved angel island i'm going to go back frequently um I think it's a great little day trip. You can do it in a couple hours. You can do it in a day. There's tourist stuff there. They're selling stuff. They've got the cafe. They've got bikes to rent. But uh, I dig it. That's my new day trip if people want to go do something San Francisco. I'm on board with you. Um, My son's preschool every year does an Angel Island trip in June. And we drive to Tiburon and then take the ferry over from there. But um, go to that little beach, have a picnic. Super relaxing. Nice way to get out of the city, but it doesn't take too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. No, I think that's that's a pretty good one. Uh, are we sure it's a tourist trap? It's kind of on the border. Yeah, kind of on the border. Um, the rest of mine, I will compensate in the other direction. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. We're we're gonna be all right on that. Paolo, you're number two. Okay, I'm gonna take a. Um, I'll do a little, maybe a little conflation with this one because uh, two of mine are pretty much next to each other. So I'm gonna say aquatic park, um, and kind of encapsulating that with, um, I'll be the food guy again, but I love, love, love the Buena Vista. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a newfound appreciation for Ghirardelli Square, especially the ice cream shop. Um, usually you might need one to recover from the other, but um, so I, I love the Buena Vista. I love going there, especially on a foggy winter morning um, or midday. Uh, I, I just think the Irish coffee, I don't order food. I just get an Irish coffee and it just, you know, you belly up to the bar, you try to throw some elbows from the folks from, uh, the Midwest (laughs) and, (laughs) and the drinks, I, I just think the Irish coffee is like a perfect drink. Yeah. You know, it, if it was a little bigger, a little smaller, it wouldn't work. The temperature, you have the cool cream, you have the hot coffee it's just that first sip is just magic because you get the hot and the cold in the same time. It's just, it's just 
beautiful and no one else does it like that i don't know why i don't know if it's just a placebo effect um and it's full of tourists yeah uh and i think aquatic park is really pretty it's it's you know it's kind of my love for the buena vista has kind of prompted me going to the area more mm-hmm. um and I, I just think it's really pretty and you know ghirardelli square the ice cream shop is a horror show at some points the line is very long at some points but if you play it right it's a nice little you know how many places can you get an old school sunday on that side of town not too many nice i'm not gonna argue with that ghirardelli square i don't have a negative feeling about that i think about like the old Cobb's comedy club Mm -hmm. and going and getting some ice cream thereafter that's definitely one if i got people from out of town who want to do something san francisco that's a good place to go and it has that famous mermaid fountain yeah it's a good fountain pretty good fountain yeah cool Good pick. Heather. Okay, my number two. This was another adventure on a minibus. Most of mine are. Um, we went to Coit Tower recently and took my sons up to the top in the elevator, saw the murals. The Chronicle plays predominantly in several of the murals, which is fun to spot. Um, you can learn about California history while you're waiting in line. But my favorite part, um, I'm a person who likes heights. I know some people are scared of them. I prefer them. And like the views from the top are just stunning. You're already up high on that hill, and then when you get to the top of the tower, you can see everything, and it's just gorgeous. Nice. I like that it's free, too, the mural part. You yeah, just walk around. Yeah, yeah, you have to pay to get up in the yeah. elevator. Problem getting there, though. I mean, just the, the travel. I think about that. and 39 coit. 39 coit. <laughs> <laughs> All goes back to total muni. Because <laughs> I, like, I think of that. I think of um, the uh, Lombard Street. It's kind of a pain in the ass just to get there. But, yeah. But 39 coit. That's, yeah, I mean, that's a very charming route, and that's how... I get around these days, so. All right, good one. Uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, Alamo Square full house houses. Mm. <laughs> the Painted uh, Ladies? The Painted Ladies, thank you, official name. I understand it's, I, I feel for the people who live there. I feel for the people who <laughs> bought a house, especially if you bought a house before Full House came out. So you didn't even know what was gonna happen. It was just like this kind of minor San Francisco site um, not a lot of people knew about, and then Full House comes out, and suddenly you're this tourist spot, and everybody's taking photos. And Full House fans are probably, no no offense, but a lot of Full House fans probably aren't going to be the people who are super polite about walking up on your doorstep <laughs> or knocking on your door. That said, it's a nice little park. You can find parking there. Um, go and have a picnic right where the Full House people had the picnic. Beautiful Victorian houses, beautiful view. As as much as TV and movies have kind of warped how we look at tourism in San Francisco, I think the full house houses are kind of a little charming, fun thing to take people to. Yeah, and they redid the park, so it's a lot nicer than it used to be. Yeah. Paolo, your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, So I guess maybe... Is the right what's the right move to kind of enjoy it? Do you do a picnic or do you just do a drive-by or? I think you do a picnic respectfully, and yeah. we had talked about Paolo and I had talked about once of doing some sort of recreation of um, <laughs> foods from TV and movies. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the Mega Burger from Beverly Hills 90210. Finding out what the recipe is, if there <laughs> is one, if there isn't one, maybe talking to some people who did production design and find out what they put in the mega burgers, something like that. I think there are probably some full house people who could tell us what they were eating in that picnic. Oh, if yeah. it's not visible, I mean, it wasn't HD. Yeah. 
But, you know, you, you might be able to see potato salad, but you won't know if it was a German potato salad or... <laughs> you know, maybe this is our... You have the most random thoughts sometimes, Peter. I've yeah. never wondered what was in that picnic. But maybe we could, like, sell picnic baskets at that park yeah. to people who want to recreate the picnic. <laughs> That's right. With a picnic blanket and maybe have, like, little... Um, red convertible tours to go drive across the bridge yeah. and kind of recreate the whole opening sequence from Full House. That'd be nice. I'm sure the uh, the people of uh, Alamo Square are living They'd around love there. They'd love it. Love yeah. this idea. <laughs> yeah, we want to gain subscribers, not lose them. Um, okay. All right. I like that. So it sounds like we have a whole Full House Alamo Square picnic episode mm-hmm. in the future, but we'll table that. Paolo. Okay. Um, yeah, this is... A, this is kind of where I start to, you know, kind of either stretch what counts as a tourist trap um, or kind of get into the ones that I'm not super strong about. So, um, but I'll go with the ferry building. Um, and I think that, does that count? Mm, I feel I like that's it, on the border again. That's like Angel Island. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's a legit place that a lot of locals go to, but yeah. you can do it. I mean. Okay. Some, we're, we're already in. Okay. Okay. So. I think that's the case. I think that's the place where, you know, I think the more, um, a lot of people come to San Francisco and the thing they know about is the food. I think food, um, in along with maybe tech now, but, uh, for, for years, I think food was a San Francisco thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, LA has movies, New York has fashion or whatever New York has. Mm-hmm. We have food. And I think that's, that's the nexus of the Bay Area food world. Uh, I think, it's, you know, no matter with a market or without a market, that's kind of the place that a lot of people go. And I think there's, I think that's, especially the Saturday mar- farmer's market has become very much this hub of this is what is San Francisco. So I don't know if it's a tourist trap or not. I think it's obviously very frequented by locals uh, and commuters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. What's your feeling on the Justin Herman Plaza fountain? Yeah, I'm not. That it doesn't do it for it's me. It's awful. Yeah, I'm gonna go thumbs down on that one. All right, I'm gonna disagree with you guys on that. Um, couple of reasons. One, they're putting water in it again. Although it's, it's like that makes green. it worse. It like <laughs> I actually called them on that. I wrote a little story about the green and blue water coming out. It's to fight the algae. Um, I say that U2's "Rattle and Hum" <clears throat> made the Justin Herman Plaza fountain, if not cool, a legitimate landmark in San Francisco that can't go away. The whole background of that, of Diane Feinstein coming after U2 and U2 bringing Armand Villancourt, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of words today. Um, I think that makes it a legit landmark. And I bring tourists to that. If I'm going to the ferry building, I'm bringing them to the U2 fountain. I was in Legoland with my sons in May, and um, they have all these mini cities made entirely of Legos, and they have a whole Lego San Francisco, and they have that fountain made in Legos. And this other kid, I overheard him ask his mom, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think, you know, I just think of that as thoroughfare. And that's like walking from the ferry building or the Embarcadero to downtown. Yeah. Uh, As for the ferry building, I love the way it looks from the outside. And I love um, riding the ferry and seeing the red Port of San Francisco mm-hmm. letters. It's like, you're home. But um, I just find everything so expensive. Oh, yeah. No, it's I mean, maybe totally. that's why you say it's classic San Francisco, because yeah. everything <laughs> is so expensive. It's, it's kept up with the times quite well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Good one. All right. It's in. Ferry building. Heather. Okay. This is another thing that's too expensive, which I wrote a column about, but I still love riding the cable cars. Um, it should not cost $7 each way, even for kids. That's ridiculous. But it's just, they're so charming. Um, 
that's another moment when you feel like this is legit, like old school San Francisco, um, just so elegant and a great way to see the city. And if you're lucky enough to live along the line and get to commute on those on a regular basis, that would be, I don't, but that would be awesome. I am with you. Um, I'm a little bit biased because we did our total muni this year and the cable car people were so nice. Yeah. So I like the dedication that's put into them, the commitment to history. You can get around those lines, as we learned. If you want to go really early mm-hmm. or take a, pick up a stop midway, you can get around that big line at Powell, which is the one I think of. And, um, yeah, they're beautiful. It's a nice piece of history. They were almost killed and then saved a couple of times, which I think makes it even cooler. Uh, I'm on board. And I got to go in the cable car barn not long ago, and that's really neat to go behind the scenes and see where they're stored and how they're um, kept up. Yeah, I think speaking ill of the cable cars in San Francisco is like a crime um, <laughs> or sacrilege, at least. Um, you know, I also I'll speak up for the Muni streetcars. I I love the old F F cars, yeah, and is. you know, th- I just think those are just such a beautiful part of the city. I don't think I would, I don't think they're touristy per se, mm-hmm. um, but I wish they were maybe. Yeah, but I mean, you can bring a tourist on them, and I yeah. think we'll have a category for that later. You know, things that you can bring tourist to that you like to go to that gives a flavor of San Francisco, maybe without all those lines. Um, my next one is a place I have never been. And um, I've never been there, but I'm still going to get behind it because it's a chain where I've been to other ones. And I did a little investigation into the San Francisco Hard Rock Cafe. Dun, dun, dun. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're going to have our first argument. Okay. Here's my defense. Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. has nothing to do with San Francisco, all right? Um, You go to the Rainforest Cafe, nothing to do with San Francisco. Long lines, not good food. I'm not saying Hard Rock Cafe doesn't have long lines. Their food is not horrible. Um, But what I like about them is I I looked at their memorabilia. Their memorabilia is very San Francisco-focused, so you've got a little bit of a San Francisco museum there. It's not just some random overpriced place to eat. They have, uh, they have Neil Sean's black peacoat, which not the highest form of memorabilia, but it's there. <laughs> they have a signed guitar from uh, Metallica, uh, Kirk Hammett, and um, a lot of stuff like that. They've got like a Jimi Hendrix thing. They have a little bit of a summer of love themed thing. And their food is not that horrible. You look at Planet Hollywood, you look at Bubba Gump's, you look at all those places. I think Hard Rock, if I'm if a tourist is gonna drag me to Fisherman's Wharf or Pier 39, that's a place that I, at least I feel like they've made an effort to give a little bit of San Francisco there, so. I mean, I think they made an effort to appeal to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're like tailored to, to Peter. And, so uh, let's review. The best things you said were there's long lines, the food is not terrible, and they have a pea coat. But they have Neil Sean's pea coat <laughs> <from> Journey, okay? <laughs> that I mean, is a real tourist trap, and Paolo and I are not on board. I'm not saying I want to have my wedding rehearsal dinner there. It kind of sounds like that. I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying that if we're going to just get behind tourist trappy places, if I have some people from out of town and they want to go to Pier 39 and I don't want to be a snob and tell them that, you know, we have to go to the Alamo Draft House, <laughs> then Hard Rock Cafe is going to be my number one, number two, and number three choice. If I have <laughs> to go to a chain restaurant. Down. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you've never heard of a place called Benihana. <laughs> yeah. 
Have you eaten it? I've eaten it other Hard Rocks. I've eaten it two other ones in Las Vegas, and then I think in Chicago. And it was okay. It wasn't like god awful food. I ate it at Bubba Gump's in uh, Monterey, and I didn't think it was too good. No, so. I've had actually similar experiences with Bubba Gump's. It's shockingly horrible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we can agree on that. Um, I'm thank you for not walking out because I didn't know how that was going to go. Oh, I don't judge. I don't think, or I don't think we judge chain restaurants. Like I actually like Benihana. I like yeah. I, I I like In and Out. Um, but you know, I don't know. Hard Rock. I'll have to think about. Oh, maybe we'll have to do some hashtag journalism yeah. and like do a, like maybe like record on site next time okay. and do a little investigative reporting at Hard Rock Cafe. I, I think flat out, you and I will follow up this podcast. We need to have a work lunch, yes, or just like go and each get an appetizer, and you can tell me if I'm right and I'll tell you if I'm wrong. Because again, I haven't been there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I looked on the website. And like, oh, cool. Journey's Peacode. <laughs> this is like an algorithm that like, like uh, based on your in- recent internet searches for Journey. Yeah. No, no, but I, but I did think like Hard Rock, I don't have a negative association with them. And when I saw they were there, I'm like, all right, that's, that's where I'm probably going to go. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Heather's like, I'm never going to ride a Muni bus with you again. Uh, I think we have time for one more. You guys got one more? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Paolo, next one. Okay. Um... Hard Rock really sucks the air out of the room, right? <laughs> We're still in shock. Okay. Um, I'll go with uh, hmm. What's the? I'll go with the Palace of Fine Arts. Um, and I feel like it's kind of. I I feel about the palace the same way. Uh, kind of about maybe the Painted Ladies, where it's just like a really cool thing to see, and it says you see it, but also gives you so much more about San Francisco. Uh, you know, I think the palace you see and you can understand that. It just blows my mind that just the World's Fair, having that history there, and this is kind of the only remnant, I think that's super cool. Um, I definitely don't think you need to linger there. I think it's great just, like, get out of the car, look at it. That's great. Go on to the bridge or something like that. But I think it's, you know, I'd much rather go there than many of probably the places we'll talk about later that maybe we don't want to go to. But um, it's just, and it's and for residents, too, I think it's a really nice place to just go walking. Um, it's right next to the water. You can go down to the uh, Marina Green. There's a little my, one of my favorite donut shop, Dynamo Donuts, right there on the water. Uh, and it's right by Chrissy Field. I think it's a really nice place, and it's beautiful. It's The architecture is stunning. Um, and the more you learn about uh, what Bernard Maybeck did there, mm-hmm. and it's just there's so much little details that is just fascinating. And so I really like it. And used to go there in high school, and that was like the drinking spot. <laughs> yeah, Exploratorium. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the that's how I associate it with. And the Exploratorium, and that's also where the Warriors in 1976 shot their photos. Mm. Uh, the Chronicle took a bunch of photos there. And we have a picture of Rick Berry feeding the ducks at the Palace of Fine Arts. I think of it for Exploratorium. Yeah, um, I think the Statue of Limitations has passed, and I can tell you, I actually found recent photos that uh, I would get stoned there in my friend's camper shell, and then we'd go in and look at all the trippy things in the Exploratorium. So that's my association of the Palace of Fine Arts. Yeah. But um, yours too, Heather? No. <laughs> no, I have a very different association. Okay. On my wedding day, I got married in that little chapel in the Presidio, and former Chronicle photographer Frederick Larson was my wedding photographer. Wow. And he took us to the Palace of Fine Arts, and um, we did our wedding photos there, and there were all these tourists taking photos of us. It was very cute. 
That is fantastic. Fred Larson's awesome. Mm-hmm. We're in the archive, the physical archive now, and, and his photos are all in back yeah. of you. All of his Niner photos. He shot like the 81 and 82 Niners and among many other things. Yeah. His, his moon amazing. shots are beautiful, full moon. Yeah, shout out to Fred Larson. So yeah, you did have a very different experience <laughs> than I did. Um, cool, all right, do I get one more? I get one. Heather's turn. Oh, it's Heather's turn, I'm sorry. Um, I am gonna go with the Fortune Cookie Factory in Chinatown. Oh, good one. Mm, good one. Yeah. I went there for the first time recently. I somehow never made it over there. And um, again, took my kids on Muni. <laughs> Every story starts that way. Um, but it is so cute, like wandering down those little alleys. Yeah. And then um, it's a tiny, tiny little shop. You have to wait outside just to get in. Like you can't fit more than maybe five or 10 people in there, but to see the ladies and how they're making the cookies and folding them in that shape. And then you can buy um, cookies in a variety of different flavors and it's very charming. Yeah. Last uh, And last time you've been there, were, you, were your kids young or, I mean, were they it into recent. it? Yeah, they yeah. were into it. Okay. More, more the buying the cookies part, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. And uh, even just, you know, I think it's such a great place to go, especially because most folks do go to out of town or do go to Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a little slightly off the beaten path and maybe I think that's a really nice it you learn something mm-hmm. I yeah. think yeah good one good one I'm I'm gonna pick my final one before we move on to the negative ones um, we're just gonna do one each of those Walt Disney Family Museum um, now not I, I don't think a lot of people think of this as a tourist trap but I only see it in tourist guidebooks I don't hear people talking about it with mm. the other museums in town um, you see it the only time I ever see it is on top, like a like a tent on top of a taxi or what's left of the taxis and in tourist guidebooks. And I got to tell you, it's a really good museum. It, I mean, they approached it with a sense of history and a sense of his contributions. It's not uh, just all positive about Walt Disney. It talks about the union issues he had. Um, I think it's a really great museum. You can learn a lot there. There's a lot of animators, even local animators who have contributed, um, a lot of hands-on stuff. Not great for little kids. There's a couple of models that they'll really be into. It's kind of better for maybe teen and older. It's a really good history museum. Um, I think because Walt Disney's not from here, you know, he doesn't really have a Bay Area connection. It's more like one of his ancestors decided to put this museum in the Presidio that people don't associate it as a local museum. And it's just kind of become this thing that I think mostly tourists go to. But um, I I recommend anybody go there. If you even have just a little bit of interest in Walt Disney or Disneyland, it's a a nice little gem that I think a lot of people don't know about. So that's my last one. I have no opinion because I've never been there. Well, you gotta go. I will. I'll find out what Muni goes there. Yeah. Um, Cool, I think we got a pretty good list. I want to do a couple more themed ones. I don't want to do a whole list of the worst tourist traps. I'm thinking like content-wise, we might want to use that as a sequel. But I thought we could start there. Just one tourist trap you would avoid at all costs, maybe with what it would take to get you to go there. Paolo, go. I've tried so hard to like Fisherman's Wharf. Um, And I love going there the beginning of crab season every year to the actual... um, you know, I think it's Pier 41 where they actually have the, the sailboats, or not the sailboats, the fishing boats. Um, so I love going there. I love, you know, just watching the crabs come in. That's one of my favorite things to do. It's not touristy at all, and you shouldn't, I don't think you're actually supposed to go there to the public because uh, it's dangerous. Um, but the restaurants there and just the sidewalks there, I've tried so hard because I love old San Francisco, and there's so many, like, 
old San Francisco restaurants there, and it's this different breed of restaurants. It's these huge fish houses with huge, beautiful bars, and it's like the kind of stuff I love. And I go to them. I've gone to them for years. They're always bad, and they're always expensive, and it just breaks my heart that like there are these huge legacy restaurants, and they're just really not putting our best foot forward. Heather. Uh, mine is driving down Lombard Street, the twisty part. Oh. Mm-hmm. Basically, you go there, you're going to wait like 45 minutes in your car, just idling. It's amazing how far the line backs yeah, up these days. So it like far. goes past Van S coming back. Yeah. It's so crazy. You wait forever to drive down, then it's like you're kind of nervous while you're doing it because it's like so packed. And then, um, and there's always pedestrians just wandering out into the middle and you feel like you're going to hit them. Um, but your other option is to park at the top and walk down, and that's where. Um, I've seen with my own eyes the car break mm-hmm. is car happening break-ins. rampantly. So I just think the whole thing is overrated. Uh, my last one is Hate and Ashbury. Mm. I lived in the Hate. I lived mm. in the Upper Hate for a couple of years, and I loved living there as a resident. There were good restaurants. Amoeba was nearby. For transit, it was not too bad. Um, I just hated the whole contradiction and hypocrisy of Hate and Ashbury, where when I was there, there's a Ben and Jerry's on one corner, a mm-hmm. Gap on the other corner. The Gap is gone now. If I was wearing a tie, because I was a courtroom reporter at the time, on the weekend, if I had a tie on, I'd walk down and all these kind of like fake, uh, these kids who are trying to live something out of the 60s but don't understand it are crowding the sidewalks. So you got to walk around. I remember one time, this was my favorite, my wife and I, uh, we're dating and I'm living in the hate. We walk to a Thai restaurant and have to walk around these kids who are not being real nice. I remember one kid once said to me, businessman, businessman, coming home from work. Like, <laughs> like you're paying taxes and you're the problem. But anyway, we had to walk around this group of kids and they're acting all tough like they're living out some 60s fantasy. On the way back, my wife runs into the same group of kids and a police officer has one of the kids against the wall and is getting ID and the kid's going, no joke, you can call my dad. He's at the Marriott. <laughs> oh my he's God. like wow. totally trying to weasel his way out of it. And he's wearing like, and I, rem- I just remember like, you know, they're wearing clothes like like they're having trouble with money or they're homeless, but you could kind of tell they were kind of expensive urban outfitters versions of that. So I loved living in the hate for the restaurants and everything. I did not like it for that fake 60s counterculture, gone awry thing going on there. So Hayden Ashbury is my last or my first and last uh, tourist trap I avoid at all costs. I think that's a very good pick. Um, I used to live in the hate, too. And I used to love it in my 20s, and I thought it was, like, a really fun neighborhood to hang out in. And then we moved um, after we had our first baby. And I remember taking my baby back in a, in a stroller, and those same guys are, like, blocking the sidewalk and won't move. And, like, breeders. And it's just, ugh, the whole yeah. vibe is just, like, once you're out of your 20s, it, you're over it. Yeah, I think it's a great pick. I'm, I, I, I think it's, it's also very – there's a strange dynamic of just from a tourist pr- perspective of going to see a neighborhood – and not really interacting with that neighborhood. You know, I think like the best ways to experience a neighborhood is to like, just like, you know, hang out there, walk around, go to restaurants, go to bars, go to, you know, see sites in within the neighborhood. And I just, people just, it's just very, it's, it just seems so artificial, yeah. I guess now these days of kind of this, there's this artifice of the counterculture that is hanging on artificially. I don't know. It just seems weird. If you're going somewhere to rebel, 
and there is every 10 minutes a tourist bus going right. by <laughs> you talking about, you know, Hayden Ashbury and Janis yeah. Joplin. You've gone to the wrong place. Rebel better. Rebel better. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right. I want to save, I think we have others, but I want to save them because I think that's an obvious sequel. Um, when you have tourists in town, beyond the tourist <laughs> traps, where do you take them? Where's your like go-to places? If you've got people in town, you want to steer them away from maybe Pier 39 and a couple other places, where do you go? Uh, your go-to tour when you got people out of town, Paolo? Yeah, um, you know, I think it, it really, well, it depends on the person probably, but I, you know, I, I, I really want to show people what I know, and that's food. Uh, so I really try to take them to the restaurants that really are these, like, San Francisco unicorns, where it's just like, you can only get this in San Francisco, you know, like the Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> What? Um, I thought no, I'm kidding. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, no, I, so I think there are like a couple of places like that. So I always like to kind of do like a tour based because most of the, I always want to show like maybe just like a tour of San Francisco food and drink, you know, so like the Anchor Brewery tour is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really a great, fun. that's like a legacy San Francisco thing. Um, I like, you know, taking them to North Beach to, mm-hmm. if you ha- if you can choose correctly in North Beach, that's a, re- that's a neighborhood where you can kind of, you know, pick, you could, you know, maybe if they like the, the beat generation, take them to City Lights, mm-hmm. take them to Vesuvio next door to Specs, And, um, you know, those are the places that I go by myself. So I think if they're interested in that North Beach culture, um, and also, you know, I mean, just, Again, just for dinner places, it's like those those unicorns. Where it's you know in Chinatown, like I love Mr. Jews. That's like a modern Chinese restaurant. It's mm-hmm. it's upscale, for sure. But it's also says something about the city. It says something about Chinatown. Um, so it's a place like that. Good one. Yeah. Good ones. When Heather. you said North Beach, it reminded me like that neighborhood feels like it really is holding on to its mm-hmm. former self and like it's still authentic and real. Unlike the hate, you know, where it's just this like fake sixties <laughs> yeah. vibe. Um, I like taking visitors to get a cocktail at the top of the mark, riding the cable car up to the top of Knob mm-hmm. Hill and seeing all the fancy hotels. Um, <clears throat> and I love taking them to Golden Gate Park, the Conservatory of Flowers, the Botanical Gardens, um, taking a free elevator ride up to the top of the tower in the That's DM, a good one. getting a yeah. great view there. But um, a lot of times what we do with tourists is leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we drive down to the beaches in Pacifica, Half Moon Bay, go to the Half Moon Bay Brewery, or um, sometimes all the way down to Cherry, or excuse me, Strawberry Picking in Pescadero. Yeah. And, Neck of the woods. Good. That's a good one. I like that. Um, Leaving, I get that. Um, When they want to go into San Francisco, I think a good trip. Now, I'm coming from Alameda. So ferry into the ferry building, Mm -hmm. Palo. And they get a nice view of that coming in, get to see the city, hop on the F-line to the Castro, maybe see a movie at the Castro Theater, go by Harvey's camera shop, which thanks to milk and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and history, that, that's become a landmark in itself. Uh, if we have time, so that's like one little, mm-hmm. that's like the spine of the city. They get to see a lot there. Um, if we have time, going into the Mission District, I, I just find that people from out of town more and more are, are aware of the Mission District, whether they've read an article or just know about it. It hasn't been in a lot of movies. It hasn't been in a ton of TV. But there seems to be this awareness of it that you can get a tourist. Yeah, let's go to the Mission District and get a, one of your burritos. You know? <laughs> so that's another thing. And then hop over to the Hard Rock. Um, <laughs> Take in some Picos. Get, 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 get an Uber or Google bus, you know, whatever you can do. And hop over to the Hard Rock and uh, check out the Peacoat. <laughs> 
uh, I'm gonna. That's gonna be like my Sean Cassidy for longtime listeners of the big event. Uh, Paolo <laughs> was shamed for not knowing who Sean Cassidy was. Um, but I've had tragedy in my head since. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I want to continue this discussion on Twitter. I'm sure people are gonna want to weigh in. You gotta follow us on Twitter. I think that's where we're gonna have the discussion. Mm-hmm. I think hashtag Tourist Trap SF. So thank you very much for coming on the big event, Tourist Traps We Like, and there may be a sequel. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Paolo. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guests, Paolo Lucchese and Heather Knight. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.